Welcome, everybody. This is John Montoya. Hey, everyone. This is John Parings. We are your hosts for the fifth edition podcast. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking about understanding policy loans. Before we do that, what we'd like to do, though, is get you thinking. And the reason why is because the, the mechanics of taking a policy loan, you're going to come to discover that it's actually one of the best and easiest things that you can do. We feel it's really important that you understand why you would even take a policy loan. So John, let let me turn it to you real quick. Why do we go to a bank? I mean, what's the purpose of a bank? Well, the purpose of a bank is a place to store your money or your capital. For a rainy day, for example, right? Mm -hmm. It's there maybe because we're saving up to buy a car. We're saving up to buy a house. Maybe we're saving up to put our kids through college. We should be saving money for retirement too, right? All these, all these things have a need for capital. And what happens when we don't have that capital? What do we do? We have to go to someone else who does have the capital. (laughs) Right, exactly. And that's the whole purpose of banking, right? right? If we don't have the capital, because we haven't discovered where the best place to house or warehouse our, our capital, you know, for whatever reasons, then we, we've got a very serious problem and we've got to turn to an entity that will give us access to capital. That's why we go to them. You know, we don't, we're not really taught to, you know, accumulate capital. And so we don't understand that we could do this on our own potentially. But since we don't do it, we have to go to outside sources who do know how to do it. And so every time we spend a dollar and then down the road, we need capital for some other use, whether it be a car or college or a vacation, we often end up going to outside sources to get access to that capital. And we end up paying for the use of that capital. Now, infinite banking comes in because we want to take control of our need to use and reuse capital over and over and over again, because we're always going to have a need for money. And so when it comes to infinite banking, we have this pool of money under our own control and we access it via policy loans. What exactly is a policy loan? So a policy loan is um, a loan that we get from the insurance company where our life insurance policy is it resides. And as we accumulate cash value in the policy, the insurance company has a guaranteed provision in the, in the insurance contract to allow us to borrow money from the insurance company collateralized by the cash value in the insurance policy. And because it's collateralized, it becomes a no questions asked loan. And so you can call up the insurance company. You don't have to fill out any paperwork. You don't have to apply. You don't have to tell them what you're going to use the money for. You don't have to, you know, show them any kind of, uh, you know, income and debt uh, information. You just call them up and ask for a loan and they will put that in your account (laughs) in a few days time. 
Typically it's three to five business days when we request a loan and there's a number of ways to do it. And that could be as simple as logging into the online portal with a life insurance company to request a loan. Mm -hmm. It could be as simple as uh, calling the 800 customer service number or right. filling out a two page form with your policy number, your name, how much of a loan you want, where would you like it sent to, and then signing on page two. Uh, all very simple stuff. Uh, and it's absolutely stress-free because you're not having to worry about digging up all your tax returns, you know, putting together all the information that the bank wants in order to deem you as a certifiably good candidate to repay that loan. So John, what's, what's the reason why someone would object to taking a policy loan? It's a pretty common objection um, that you hear, especially when you see on the, on the forums and some of the different internet stuff out there, the common objection is why would I, why would I pay to borrow my own money is sort of the, the thought process behind that. And so it's, it's super important to understand that you're not borrowing your own money. You're borrowing the insurance company's money and the insurance company's money that they're lending you is collateralized by your cash value. And so it, it seems um, like not a, there's not much difference, but there's a huge difference. And the reason for that is you're using the capital, you're using the value of your capital, but you're using someone else's money to do it. And when you do that, you never take your own capital out of the policy. And so your policy cash value and death benefit continue to grow guaranteed every single year and earn dividends. You know, one of the ways to think about it is you're able to use that money in two or more places at the same time. And now obviously that's not free. There's interest that the insurance company charges you, but if used correctly, it's extremely powerful to, because what you're doing is creating leverage on your cash. And so that's why you'd use it. That's why you would borrow your own money, <laughs> quote unquote, um, in order to um, never lose the, con you're never interrupting the compounding process on your cash. And the, the interest that gets assessed on a policy loan, let's talk a little bit about that. Sure. Uh, one of the great things about a policy loan is that you get to be your own bank. You get to decide how you're going to repay that loan, how quickly you're going to repay that loan. And probably my favorite thing about taking a policy loan, I know that every single payment, loan repayment that I make back to the life insurance company is going to reduce the principal balance of that loan dollar for dollar. Right. It's 100% volume of interest, which is unlike any other type of bank loan you can get because when, when, you're, when you're paying down debt and you're having to pay the bank first, what happens? It extends how long you're going to be paying on that loan. But with an IBC policy loan, you have 100% volume of interest. You can start to pay down that, that loan as quickly as possible, depending on your cash flow and how much you send in as a loan repayment. That's right. And, you know, volume of interest is, is huge when you, you know, look at a, a typical bank loan that's amortized. You know, when you, when you look at your, you know, home mortgage loan of 4%, well, a lot of people think that's a 4% 
interest rate, but that's not the effective interest or it's not the volume of interest you're paying on that loan, especially in the, in the beginning years. You know, if you look at the first several years of a 30 year mortgage or a 15 year mortgage, whatever, however many years you want to use, the percentage of interest you're paying on that, on the loan payment is huge. Like 60 to 80%, you know, of the actual payment goes to interest. And so Nelson Nash talks about, you know, in, in the real world, a lot of times, you know, people within five to seven years, most people will refinance their home, thereby resetting the amortization schedule. And so the, the volume of interest um, takes much longer to actually go down where you're actually experiencing a real 4% rate. And so the, the volume of interest is much higher than what people are thinking they're paying when they just look at the, uh, the APR of their loan. Another really important uh, piece of you know, uh, the way that policy loans work is the, uh, what we touched on already. Another way to say that is the nominal versus effective borrowing, borrowing rate. So just kind of wrapping up what we just said, another a way to look at that is the nominal interest versus the effective interest. The nominal interest is going to be, you know, your four, your 4%. But look at the effective interest that you're paying on each payment every single year. And if you ever refinance your loan, you're never truly going to get that um, nominal rate because you're restarting the amortization process. Yeah, sometimes I'll, I'll have people who will ask me, well, what, what's the policy loan rate? And I'll say typically right now across the carriers, it's about 5%. Right. And they'll say, oh, okay. And, and this is growing at about four to 5% uh, tax free each year. And I'll say, yep, that sounds about right. And their conclusion to this is that it's a wash. Actually it's not. And this gets back to nominal versus effective rate because if you have a loan that you take and yes, your nominal rate might be 5%, but that's assuming that you don't make any loan repayments throughout the year. Mm -hmm. And when, when we educate our clients and we teach them about IBC, we teach them about being an honest banker. That means first and foremost, you don't take a policy loan unless you can afford to repay it. Right. right? Otherwise you're not being an honest banker. You wouldn't go to your parents, your best friend, a family member, or even the bank down the street, to request a loan and then never repay it. So the same applies to your IBC policy. You have to set a payment schedule that works with your cash flow. And when you do that, what's going to happen is you're going to start to repay that loan, right? 100% volume of interest. And it's going to effectively lower the interest that's being charged during the course of your policy year give you an example. If you take out a $10,000 loan and the nominal rate is 5%, well, if you don't make any loan repayments, your interest that's going to be calculated at the end of your policy year is $500. And that would be added to that $10,000 loan for the next year. But if you're making loan repayments throughout the year, what's going to happen is you're going to effectively reduce the amount of interest that gets charged on that policy loan. So instead of paying $500 of interest 
at the end of the year or having that added to your loan, what's effectively going to happen is that the insurance company might end up assessing an interest of, let's say, 375. That would make your effective rate 3.75% for the year because you were making loan repayments throughout uh, the, the 12 months till your next anniversary date. So there, there's, there's a, a key difference between nominal and effective borrowing rate. Yeah. And you, and what you're talking about is the fact, is the uh, fact that the, the, ins- not every insurance company does this, but many of the, you know, uh, the best ones will charge interest in arrears rather than upfront, like you would see on an amortization, uh, an amortized loan. Right. And from, from my own pool of, of IBC policies, um, it, it's my older ones that charge interest up front. It still works mm-hmm. out the same. It's just a little bit different psychology right. being charged up front. But re- regardless of whether you have a policy that's charging you interest up front or in arrears, it's going to work exactly the same way. And so what you're saying is whether they charge it up front or arrears, they, ca- they recalculate the interest that you would have paid over that year and take into account the payments that you've already made and don't charge you for the full year of that, the full year's worth of interest, if, as long as you're making payments during the year. Correct. So every loan repayment that I make on one of these older IBC policies that, I've, that I have, uh, they essentially... Uh, the the insurance company will give me a credit for interest that they charge me up front. So it it works either way. Let's talk about what you said a little bit ago of scheduled versus unscheduled payments, where when you take a policy loan from the insurance company, there are no payback terms. (laughs) How crazy is that? Like that is an amazing benefit. Imagine being, I don't know, a real estate investor, and if you were well capitalized, let's just take it to the extreme. If you, were, if you were capitalized to the extent that you could buy all your properties outright using your own capital and you had no payback terms, would you have any cares in the world right now during what's going on where we're starting to see rumblings of, um, you know, uh, what are they calling it, the, where, where tenants are not gonna, going to pay rent? Would you have as much concern over having to pay your mortgage payments back where, you know, landlords right now are, are wondering where are they going to get their mortgage payments from? Well, if you don't have any payback terms, you have so much flexibility to ride out these, uh, you know, these turbulent times where if you're not getting an income from your tenant, you don't have to pay a mortgage payment that that month or that year <laughs> or for the next five years, right? Obviously, you want to pay your interest or, but you don't have to, you just have, you know, you, you just have to understand that the, the interest will capitalize, but you have that flexibility where you're not going to, you know, be foreclosed upon. Um, if in the event that you can't pay your mortgage as a, as a real estate owner. Yeah. It's, it, it gets back to the, this is the ultimate stress-free way of living when, when we can be our own banker, and we can separate ourselves from the traditional banking system, we take control and ownership of our finances. Just what you're talking about, we, we have the ultimate peace of mind. And as a business owner, I mean, think about what happened 10 years ago during the Great Recession. 
Right. A lot of people had lines of credit with banks, whether it was on their house or maybe it was tied to their business. Mm -hmm. And what happened to those line of credits when there was a crunch, when there was a lack of liquidity? Gone. That's right. Gone, frozen, or those lines were reduced. Right. And back to one of the things that you mentioned uh, in the beginning, there's a, a guaranteed provision that you can have access to your cash values. So that would never happen to you as a business owner or even at the consumer level. And, you know, since we're talking about downturns, just this isn't really, doesn't really have to do with policy loans, but, you know, the best um, dividend paying mutual insurance companies out there have been around and have paid dividends every year for 150 to 170 years, including the Great Depression, including the dot-com bubble, including the Great, De Great Recession. And obviously we can't say it's gonna happen this time, but the, their track record is pretty stellar in terms of you know, how much um, more control and certainty you have during a period of, uh, of volatility. Yeah, and, and you know, we're talking about dividends now from these life insurance companies. An important part of that dividend, that dividend being a surplus profit, is the, is the interest from policy loans. Mm -hmm. You know, a, a lot of people have this conception that when they take a, a loan, they're actually borrowing their own money. But as you explained, you, you're, you're not actually borrowing your own money when you take a policy loan. You're borrowing money from the life insurance company. So in order for the life insurance company to provide you with the, the funds that you've requested, they have to free up money uh, that was otherwise invested. So that's the reason why they charge a policy loan rate. Mm -hmm. uh, but that policy loan rate turns into interest, right? And that interest eventually is going to go towards the bottom line of the life insurance company. It solidifies the you know, being an honest banker, we have to be an honest banker with our own personal economies and pay our loans back with interest. And as policy owners, we're part owners of the mutual company. And so we want that mutual insurance company to also be an honest banker. And to do that, of course, they have to charge interest. Yep. So like Nelson says, don't steal the peas. All right. Should we talk about that? Yeah, uh, absolutely. It's, it's, uh, it's one of the chapters in Nelson's black book, the, the, the one that started it all becoming your own banker mm -hmm. and uh, the fifth edition, I might add, since we yep. named our show, <laughs> the fifth edition, that's right. the reason why folks. Right. So when he says, uh, you know, be, being an honest banker and, and he has a quote, don't steal the peas, we can dive into probably a whole, a whole episode on that. But he, what he's doing is he's likening money to being a grocery store owner, to being the owner of a grocery store. And if, if, if cans of peas are some of your inventory and one of your family members goes into the store and says, hey, we own this store. Why don't I just, if I can take this can of peas, now I don't need to pay for it because it's ours, right? But what, what is unseen, what is not seen in that, in that action or in that act is you have to sell 
to make up for the profit lost on that can of peas that was taken out of the store and not paid for, you have to sell, I don't remember the number off the top of my head, but like six or 10 more cans of peas just to make up for the, the loss of that one can of peas. So you need the profits from 10 additional cans of peas just to, co just to cover what was taken out of the store and not paid for by a family member. And so when, when he says don't steal the peas, he's basically uh, you know, alluding to um, treat your money like the inventory in your store right? And every dollar you let leave the store without earning anything is your, is a can of peas that you've stolen from yourself and you're, you're never going to earn a profit on that dollar again. Right. Basically boils down to don't steal from yourself. Right. If you want to be able to use the capital that you've accumulated in your IBC policies, be an honest banker, repay your loans, and you'll get the ability to reuse that money over and over and over again, all without interrupting the growth of your cash value. It's, it's a truly tremendous thing uh, to be able to create this, this opportunity fund, you know, this cash fund that you can use for any purpose over and over and over again. But you have to remember, don't steal the peas, don't steal from yourself. Right. So what are, what are some things we could use policy loans for? What are some common uses? So from my own life, I can tell you I've used it for, for the roof over my head to buy this house that I currently live in. Used it to buy investment properties, commercial properties. I've used it on an ongoing basis to pay my quarterly income taxes, property taxes, uh, that's money that otherwise I'd never see again, right? Send it to Uncle Sam, send it to the local county, and poof, it's gone, right? right. This is capital that's always growing within my pool of policies. Um, I've used it for car financing, uh, the car that I drive. I paid cash for it, but first, what I did is I took a policy loan in order to pay cash for my car. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? Uh, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be there for me down the line when I eventually want to retire, right? It's a supplemental source of tax-free income. Uh, I'll tell people this is like a Roth IRA on steroids. You know, what, what's the problem that uh, a lot of high income earners have with Roth IRAs? Can't put enough into it. That's right. They, they can't put enough into it or the flip side is they make too much money and they, they can't even use it. Yeah. They can't even use it. Exactly yeah. right. But not so with an infinite banking designed whole life policy. It's a non-qualified plan. So it's perfect. And it's not even a plan because it's a private contract. And so there's nothing, it's, it's, it's more tax exempt than it is tax free. You don't have to report it on any of your tax returns. That's a great point. No 1099s ever when designed properly. That's right. So I'm, you know, uh, we've mentioned it before, but you were my original advisor setting up my first infinite banking policy. So I'm, I'm newer to this than you are, but um, I owe it to you helping me put this in place because I've used this to uh, finance things like, um, you know, a move across the country twice <laughs> and uh, also starting this business that I'm in now. 
So, um, you know, I, I relied very heavily on, on policy loans to get me through the startup phase of starting my practice. That's awesome. It, it actually, um, I appreciate you sharing that with me because it, it, it touches home on something very personal to me. Uh, 10 years ago, I went through a divorce and it was a amicable divorce. But, you know, one of the things that got me through that transitional period in my life were the whole life policies that I had started and that I had contributed to and provided a source of capital to me when I absolutely needed it, uh, perhaps more than ever at that point. And I I think of how my business has prospered since then. Uh, There's no way I would have been in a position to rebound as quickly if I hadn't have had my infinite banking policies. So uh, this type of planning, I mean, it it really can uh, help us through all the curveballs that we have in life. And that's why it's so important to make IBC at least a portion of what you're doing within uh, your own portfolio, uh, make it a part of your plan because there's, there's nothing like having uh, the, the freedom and not have to worry about the need for capital. You, you have it and it, it's there when you need it, when you want it. And, you, and when you need it and when you want it, it doesn't have any effect on, as long as you're an honest banker, it doesn't have any effect on what the end uh, result will be by the time you get to retirement or by the time you die. And, you know, all of those certainties that you create by having capital um, really create a lot of options for people in retirement when to, to essentially supplement and make what they're doing with their other retirement assets perform even better. You know, when's the worst time to find out that the only plan you had didn't perform the way you wanted it to, you know, speaking of qualified plans and and those types of investments. It's like a lot of people, they hit age 65 and they find out, Oh, this didn't, this didn't do what I wanted it to do. Or, you know, it's not going to perform the way I need it to perform. And by that time you have no options, very few anyway. And so if you, like you said, if this is at least part of what you're doing, you can create, options for yourself down the road so that you can have a a happy and and fun retirement no matter what happens with the market. Well, that sounds good to me. And that's that's the whole reason why we do what we do. Uh, We we walk our own talk as authorized IBC advisors. You know, we we, we speak from our own experiences. And our hope is that uh, our communicating to you the benefits of IBC uh, will translate into your own life. And the way to do that is by getting started. If you don't have an IBC policy yet, you need to get on the phone with us. Uh, go to our website, uh, the fifthedition.com, and you can contact us and set up a strategy session with us. And we'll walk you through the steps. They're simple and easy, allow you to really see how we can incorporate this into your life so that you can start to benefit from all that IBC has to offer. Well said. I think that could take us right out of this one. Yeah. (laughs) Take us right out of this episode. That's good. All right, everybody. Well, we hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, Definitely come back for our next episode. And uh, between now and then, 
uh, reach out to us if you have questions. We always love to hear what questions that you have. And we'll be talking to you soon. Take care, everybody.